Hi guys, this is Nitin and I welcome you to my startup podcast channel Jazair Audio where we share real stories with real learning. So friends, my guest today is Shabia Walia. Shabia is a veteran media professional who has had donned various hats such as being a creative director, a scriptwriter, a producer, and she is one of the most sought after creative professional in the television industry in India. In fact, Shabia is also the author of her best-selling book Mama Mania, which received great reviews, and she is currently co-producing a show which is soon to be aired on Sub TV. And if that's not all shabia is the founder of wild earth which is into 100% natural curated cruelty free paraben and sulfate free skin care products so in this podcast shabia will be sharing with us why and how she launched wild earth the key challenges and the triumphs of her journey and finally she has a great advice for the women who intend to take plunge in the entrepreneurship hi shabia welcome to jazair audio and thank you for talking to us thank you for having me nitin such a pleasure So let's start with what was the motivation or the idea behind launching your venture Wild Earth. So Nitin two three things happened simultaneously. I was planning to quit media because uh, I had uh, almost been around for 25 years. Parallelly I have always been very concerned about you know what we put on our skin because as you know almost 75-80% of what we put on our body gets absorbed by the skin. so with the rise in cancer and you know the so much of chemicals being used in everything or uh, that we consume i was always very concerned and i think one thing led to another and the whole concern of what i put on my daughter led me to the kitchen to make my first uh, scrub and which i shared with mothers in her school and <laughs> i came back with about 6000 rupees the first day 10000 the second day <laughs> and then my husband said yeah this is a business so i said yeah and i think within 6 7 days we had finalized the name and uh, that's how it started uh, really nitin it was just a thing to you know run away from media and uh, give something very pure and natural to my own daughter but i didn't know at that time that it will become a brand and i also realized see when it started with my need but because there were so many mothers who were ready to be my first testers i just realized that there was a, a wide uh, gap there you know and this was about 4 years ago when natural and you know what is organic and what is chemical free and all these terms were not so common i mean people didn't know what are sulfates parabens phthalates and silicones so i thought that this was a perfect time to start something like this and i think i just happened to be at the right place at the right time awesome now let's talk about some of the key challenges and the triumphs of the your journey with wild earth So uh, initially you know when i was making this, this in the kitchen and uh, it, uh, obviously the demand supply was a challenge because yeah. uh, you know when you're making it yourself then you can at the most aap kitna bana loge you'll mm-hmm. make 50 you'll make 100 and then there were summers so you're toiling in the kitchen and you're not necessarily a housewife who's used to being in the kitchen for so long right yeah. so i just realized that if i was making these myself then there wasn't any time left to market it so my, all my time was going in the kitchen so i uh, and i i was getting orders like you know they were just growing i mean uti bank came in and ordered about 1000 hampers and i realized i couldn't be doing so many all alone yeah. and that's when i decided to kind of you know have a workshop and uh, get into manufacturing it on a bigger scale so that i could put all my uh, energies into marketing because uh, you can make a product but unless you know how to sell it there is yeah. no point in making the product right So that's when I decided that I need to uh, you know kind of get the manufacturing out of the way and figure out uh, how to uh, scale up 
and that's when we started doing this so that was the initial challenge to find the partner who would exactly make the product for you the way you wanted it to that was the initial challenge second is also when you're a small business you know packaging is a big problem because yeah. every pa- uh, packaging person you go to says you should buy 15000 units or 20000 units and you don't really have that kind of uh, capital and thirdly yeah uh, i mean you keep thinking which are the avenues you should sell on like should you sell only online or go into retail so that was one challenge when people used to tell me that yours is a touch smell uh, product so yeah. you should be in retail stores and i got into a lot of retail stores we even had a marketing team but then finally i realized that it was a very expensive proposition and i shut down my retail division in 2017 despite we doing well and other things but i just realized that it was eating into my profits from the other three avenues which were doing well that is online exports and corporate gifting so i decided that these three will be my avenues and i wouldn't get into you know costly commercial retail so now we are only into physical stores where it's more on a Uh, you know keep keep your products for free uh, kind of thing or more than you know pay for the shelf and pay for the promoter and pay for the publicity material and then we we'll keep your product so those were the initial challenges we say uh, we faced we got a couple of funding opportunities and we used those to uh, you know get our socks up and things like that but eventually we haven't taken any funding till date we still largely ourselves funded uh, setup So yeah, those were the triumphs that within our first year itself, we got a funding, very big funding opportunity. We were identified as one of the good growing gra- uh, brands in the space, and so I think all those were compliments. We've not had, uh, I think, our success rate has been ninety nine percent with customers. Rarely anyone has ever said that they don't like our product. Our loyalty rate is very high. Customers who've been buying from us still continue to buy from us, and the cart value has only gone up per customer. So the customer which started at one ninety nine today, you know, immediately buys for two thousand, two thousand five hundred. I mean, we have hampers selling out at three thousand per hamper. Wow. So I think, uh, yeah, yeah, we have just kind of just built, grown very organically. your word of mouth customers refer us to other people and i think as i said uh, mothers have been my largest uh, and uh, you know most worthwhile brand ambassadors because when yeah. a mother tells you that she used it for her child you are more likely to trust her right Absolutely. so and then the whole family starts using your brand so that has been good for us Great. Now you have done various hats. You've been a creative head, a scriptwriter, a producer, and even a best-selling author. What would you advise to those founders who are either naive or relatively weak in terms of storytelling, particularly those who are pitching their startups to the targeted investors now? See, my advice is you will always be good at certain things and not good at certain things, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. even though I am good at storytelling, there would be some things I would not enjoy, like probably accounting or making a pitch deck. Only thing is, if you are good at storytelling, then a lot of things get solved, right? But I always say that you know, on your way up, you should always, always ask for help. Like I always have depended on mentors and other people who have made it big and other entrepreneurs. I mean, I have quite a network. I myself mentor about three hundred entrepreneurs on my FB group called Idea to Income, wherein I give them curated material every day, every week. You know, so I think if you ask for help, there are a number of people who are ready to help. Secondly, I would say once your business starts taking or uh, making a certain amount of money, you always have the freedom to outsource. Yeah. So, for example, if you don't know how to put up a social media post, how to build a storytelling, how to you know correct your brand messaging. Then there are always people like us who are good writers and content writers and who can help you, you know, write those stories for you. So mm-hmm. I would always say the first mistake I think most entrepreneurs, including myself, we always do is we think we we have to do everything, everything. ourselves. 
but you don't if you're earning 10000 rupees then you can always spend 2000 rupees on something which you are not good at because anyways if you're not good at it you don't enjoy it and if you don't enjoy it then anyways you'll not do a good job of it so keep the part which you enjoy the most you also the ones which are risky proposition like if you if they are if they are dependent on big decisions then of course they they should be you but a wrong social media post is not going to do any anything very damaging you can always pull the post down mm-hmm. so these things can definitely be outsourced you know i always tell people that delegate your tasks in terms of high priority low priority keep the high priority to yourself and medium priority low priority can always go to others which you can just supervise on a weekly basis or on a and even if you have to do it yourself then there are various ways of you know just doing it very efficiently because with all these apps now like canva and other things making these social media posts has also become a breeze so i think uh, i think outsourcing and delegating is very very key and i as i i, I told you when i deal with so many entrepreneurs now i i have figured that that is a problem which runs across all class and businesses is that every entrepreneur thinks that he has to do everything himself and i think that's why most of us don't even scale up that fast because mm-hmm. we're so busy micromanaging things that we are losing sight of the bigger picture great insight shabya Now what has been your key mistakes or failures along the way and what were the key learnings behind these Okay so the first mistake I made on Wilder so earlier Wilder was called Satwa and uh, you and we started uh, doing well but I had not trademarked the brand So when the the first funding opportunity came from a Japanese company the first question they asked me was is your brand trademarked and I was like oh I didn't know that and and when I went to find out about the trademark Satwa wasn't available because I think it's an Agarbatti brand, and uh, in India, I think all scents and uh, perfumeries are under uh, one uh, category. So Tatva wasn't available, and I remember crying for about two weeks that I've you know worked so hard on this name, and now I have to give it up because it was a it wasn't just a name mistake, right? You have yeah. to then change your entire packaging, your website, everything. So it was also a costly mistake. But uh, uh, one of my mentors told me again. I, I keep. referring to mentors because they can show you what probably you are not seeing because you are so you know uh, down in the dumps at that time that mm-hmm. uh, i said you know i'll lose all my customers how will they know that why by any other name and he said listen you have an email list and how many customers do you have and i said about 3000 and he said so just send an email telling them that from today my baby is not called karina she's called karishma and they will know <laughs> and i was like why they, and, I, and you know i was supposed to be his brightest mentee in media right yeah. so he said i thought this you will think of this and i said but the, i you know i said ha yeah how come i didn't think of this and he said because you're busy crying yeah. and i realized yeah, Yes, when you are like thinking only about the mistake, then you are not really thinking of the solution. So now, whenever I mentor somebody or a brand, I always say that have you got a trademark? And a lot of mentor, I know a lot of entrepreneurs ask me this question that is it okay to put money in trademarking even before I know whether my business will be successful? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know what? If on day one you are thinking that your business is not going to be successful, or if it is going to be successful, then there are chances it will not be successful. You have to have to invest in your business way before your customers do. Right, yeah. and so trademarking was one of those. Then I think yeah, retail. I think I wouldn't call it a mistake. It was a learning curve. Uh, I had to explore it to know that while it works for me, it that did not work for me as a cost. thing you know yeah. so and then i had uh, i think i procrastinated about it for some time which i shouldn't have done so probably i should have shut it four months earlier and i sat on it and i thought and oh what, what will everyone think and then i realized nobody is thinking <laughs> nobody knows what is what is happening and i should be the only one taking this decision so So yeah I think I took that decision four months late but finally I gathered the courage see one more thing again everyone has to remember is you have to save the tree 
if yeah. you concentrate on saving the branch the tree will die okay? so i i finally realized that yeah this one branch is just hanging low and it is just dropping off and i need to just cut it off and and the tree will remain safe so the moment i had that enlightenment i immediately i think within two days i had you know give like my marketing team go and shut out shut down all shops call for my stock back and so yeah so that was another uh, second learning curve and third is as i said early on a uh, delegation has always been a problem with me because i've been a writer and you cannot outsource your writing right yeah. because you only write like yourself or you only talk like yourself you cannot outsource speaking or writing for yourself so similarly i also had a lot of problem giving away stuff and parting with it and saying okay you do it and i will watch it from far but then eventually i learned that if you have to grow just like you let your baby go to school uh, alone or you know cut that umbilical cord it is similar to your business so i think those through two three things were great learning curves for me and i'm happy i crossed them and i explored them and i've become nanda wiser now finally as a successful women entrepreneur what would be your advice to those women who are intending to take a plunge into the entrepreneurship so you know what covid has been a great uh, insight okay because uh, till till covid happened people used to think that people who were in jobs were very very secure but covid taught us that job that there is no security in jobs either because overnight thousands of people just lost their job so where is the security right the second thing is the only thing holding you back is always fear right unless you do it you will never know i mean you can keep thinking that i'll learn swimming all your life but if you're scared of putting your feet in the water then you're never going to learn it so when i started idea to income i did start it in the covid times because i realized that a lot of men were losing their jobs and their wives would want to do something which would support their husband's income right and even if they had not lost their jobs they would be having take up right i know a lot of women think that oh we can't start a business because we don't know how to manage money and i always say but women manage money the best i mean yeah. we handle our finances our home budget right i mean when demonetization happened people had india shakkar ka dabba had more money than their husbands had ever given them these are wives managing money and we always save for a rainy day we know how to you know keep money for a rainy day yeah. so i was like and your business will be your baby how can you not know how to run it all all that you need to no is that you put in 100 rupees and if you made 150 rupees 50 rupees is your profit the rest is your cost price right so that if if that you you know it just gets bigger but then there's nothing you can't learn so i always say life is too short to just keep sitting on the fence and thinking that oh one day i will do it mm-hmm. i think you should just jump in do it at the most what will happen like there's a saying which says oh i can't fly because what if i fall but darling what what if you can fly higher so we that a possibility of we the human beings always tend to think negative first i think we should put that procrastination aside and just jump in and even if it doesn't work like maybe my retail didn't work but it was an experience and yeah. that experience has now turned into a great value add when i mentor other brands when i tell them go slow don't jump into retail so much i've saved lakhs of rupees for other brands when i have advised them this so nothing you learn in life goes waste it's always always add to your experience and your learning and your maturity so i think whatever you want to do you should do because the only regret in life at on your deathbed will be the risk you didn't take
So friends, with this, we have reached at the end of this podcast. Shabia, it was a pleasure to have you on Jazeera Radio and thank you for sharing great insights with us. Thank you, Nitin. Thank you so much. And I would just like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who's listening to this. And if you want to check out our products, do check our website, www.wildearth.in. Thank you, Nitin, for having me. It's been great talking to you. Are you a founder of an early stage startup and looking to raise funding? Get your startup investor ready before even you start pitching to your prospective. active investors for know how please visit www.jazero.in that is www.jasaro.in lastly i want to thank all the listeners who took their valuable time to listen to this podcast keep rocking be safe and don't forget to share